Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile. And I'm Mariana. And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. So, Ariana, can we get a review of this episode's film? Alrighty. Um, short little review of City Lights. Um, I, Andrew will give you all the fun little details about it, but basically, uh, it's a very cool, um, it is a silent film, right? Uh, I watched we'll, it last we'll, week and for some reason I'm brain farting. We'll, we'll get into that later, but uh, dialogue free, we'll put it. Okay. Dialogue free, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, he plays his like go-to character. What it, What is his character called? The Little Tramp. The Yes, the Tramp. And um, he... Basically is going to great lengths of trying to impress the blind florist that he happens to pass by on the street one day um, to win her affection and take care of her in the best way he can. And many hilarities ensue that are fabulous to watch. And uh, yeah, and they um, it's a happily ever after rom-com. It's very sweet and fun. And what grade would you give it? Ooh, I would give this one... Probably, I would give this one like a solid B. Solid B. Like, it was really good, but the the smile at the end, like, did it in. <laughs> Something about his smile, it was like, it wasn't romantic enough. It was a little on the creepy side for my taste. That knocked it down uh, like a half a grade. I'm giving a horrified look right now. <laughs> I, I totally disagree with you, but... You think it was sweet? The, the smile at the end? Yeah. That's considered like one of the most moving scenes in film history. Oh, because it's like, a, it's like a, it's like a, okay. First of all, let me just say I respect Ariana's opinion. As I, as I Andrew. Um, and we can disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels real to me. I don't know. I, the finding of the flower and her like realizing that it was him was touching but the smile was no killed it for me like him smiling yeah the smile that was on his face like not the act of smiling it was the way that he smiled and the way it was photographed was like i'm feeling more creep factor than love factor i really no no hold on i really want to explore this like explain explain no 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 Everybody, we got we gotta dive into this. So, <laughs> what what? Okay, I get, I gotta I gotta know. You gotta back up your opinion. What is it about the smile that's creepy? Is it like the amount of teeth? Is that what you're referring to? Or it's like uh, is it like the meaning behind it? No, it's not the meaning. Like, cause he she recognizes it's him, and she doesn't like run away at the fact that he's a tramp, right? Which is really sweet. And then like. I don't know, like, the camera dwells on it for a super long amount of time, and it's at the angle where, like, his forehead is tilted in, which is very classic, like, kind of dark. And then his smile itself, like, his mustache is covering a lot of his smile, so it looks a little, like, non-uniform. And then on top of that, like, it's a little more, like, showing teeth rather than, like, a joyous kind of smile, I guess. I just didn't, I didn't feel the love in it. Well, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta disagree because this, this dude just been in jail for the past couple months and he's going to be a little worn out. He's going to be a little sad 
And so it's like a sad smile. It's a sad yet victorious smile, you know. And so there's like a whole bunch of emotions behind it. So it's not just going to be purely happy. It's going to be. And plus, I don't, I don't think he had his head tilted forward. You know? That's not what I remember. Mm-hmm. But 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 you know what? Film's open to interpretation. We're all different. This so. is true. And he did get, just get out of jail. So there, there was definitely blend of emotion in there. But it, it wasn't the blend that I was reading, unfortunately. But okay, yeah. this is this is a good subject to revisit. If I if we ever watch it again, like you're, we're gonna have to have a secondary debate. Yeah, yeah. Or right. we'll just agree, we'll just agree that I'm right. So <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, um, yes, Andrew Guru. No, no, I no, understand. No. Okay, all right. Well, uh, now let's... now for the fun details. Give them to me. Months before Charlie Chaplin's The Circus premiered, The Jazz Singer was released. The Jazz Singer was a film that was a turning point in history because of its use of synchronized sound. Audiences flocked to see and hear The Jazz Singer, marking the end of silent films as the norm. Although The Circus, Charlie Chaplin's film, did become one of the highest grossers of the silent film era, Chaplin knew that he had a problem that needed to be addressed. How was he going to address sound in his next film? How could his world-famous silent character, The Little Tramp, continue? Ariana, let's talk about how he did it. Firstly, Chaplin did utilize the sound technology to create his own original soundtrack. He was able to write and record his own music and sound effects. However, the early sound technology was primitive in terms of capturing dialogue. I've watched many early sound films, and in my opinion, some of the dialogue in them are very difficult to understand. In the opening scene of City Lights, Chaplin spoofed the then-primitive sound technology by having the characters' voices be replaced by high-pitched kazoo-like noises. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> and that opening scene is one of the funniest in the whole movie, I think. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, speaking of funny scenes, what do you think about boxing match? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought it was shockingly realistic. I mean, in, in a sense of like, this is, you know, a comedy, so they made fun of things. Yeah. Um, but he put up a fight. I was proud of Charlie. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, but at one point, you can totally tell he's, like, wearing a harness. Oh, really? Like, if if, if you, like, have a good... Uh, if you see, like, a good print of the film or if you see, like, a good uh, digital restoration of the film, you, mm-hmm. you can tell at one point when he's flying, like, like when he's launching at the guy, there's totally a harness yeah. in, on his oh, waistband. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you just kind of have to, you know, accept that. Yeah. I mean, it's an old black and white. Like, what what are you really expecting here? It's glorious for what it is. Exactly. And then some. Exactly. But also, I love the scene where he's, like, going back and forth uh, on the manhole while looking at that, that uh, nude statue. Like, remember that? Yeah. What, what are those things little... called? Manhole? I had no idea what that was. Okay. I thought it was hilarious. But I didn't understand why it existed. The hole in the ground, anyways. Oh, they still have that in, like, San Francisco. Really? Yeah, that's how you get, like... I guess, like, they, are they doing work, like, underground or something? Well, that's how you get, like, in San Francisco and, like, big cities, that's how you get, like, food into restaurants or, like, wine into restaurants in the basement. You, you instead of, like, going through the restaurant and then down, down to the cellar, you just have a lift down to the cellar. Oh... That makes so much more sense. Yeah. He did play with it very well, though. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's like one of the great feats of timing and 
that I've ever seen in movies. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the facts. Enough fun. More importantly than the uh, kazoo-like noises, the sound effects, and the music, Chaplin did not want his character of the little tramp to talk. He felt that the universal appeal of the character would be diminished if he limited the character to one language. What do you think, Ariana? I think that's pretty cool. I mean, he does give him more access. Like, it's strange how dialogue does restrict, like, the world people are allowed to live in. So it's kind of genius of him to be like, no, I'm not going to, I don't know, feed into that thing that people want because I know that not giving that to him will make it more diverse. Yeah, it'll, it'll make it more universally relatable. Yeah. Chaplin's reluctance to give dialogue to his character proved to be a challenge when it came time to think of how the little tramp and the blind girl or, or the blind florist would meet. The entire premise of City Lights is built around the, the blind girl believing that the little tramp is actually rich. How can a filmmaker execute that premise convincingly without any dialogue? Well, the solution took a while for Chaplin to think of. Because Chaplin was the head of the studio that funded his own films, that studio being United Artists, he could take as long as he wanted to create his films. So, while he thought of a solution, Chaplin shut down filming for months. So they started to film this movie and stopped because he couldn't figure out how to fix that problem? Yeah, he would start movies without having a complete script. He would just have a few things going and then say, okay, we're filming that. What? Yep. So it's so confident. <laughs> yeah, you can be that when you're Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Then, when Chaplin thought of a solution, which was to have the blind girl hear the little tramp exiting a car, which makes her think that the tramp is rich, Chaplin resumed production. And I think that's like a really brilliant move. Like, like I mean, it's such like an economy of like ec- an explanation, you know, it's so economical in terms of like, oh, this is such a simple solution. Like having the little, like you visually convey that the blind girl is hearing this. Like that's a piece of brilliance that I, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, could, like, I couldn't think of that. Because like you said, it's simple. I mean, back in those days, like people that had cars, I guess, were of the wealthier variety. Mm-hmm. And like the world that she lives in, she lives on the street. She hears people going in and out of cars and out of shops walking around all the time. Yeah. So it makes sense that that is something that she would notice. Right. You know, but like you said, doing it visually, too. It's like, boy is skilled. Yeah. Speaking of the blind girl. Virginia Cheryl was cast in that role. However, Chaplin was so caught up with filming other parts of the film that Cheryl had to wait to film her scenes for months. She openly complained and Chaplin fired Cheryl during production. (laughs) Initially, Chaplin replaced her with Georgia Hale, his co-star in The Gold Rush. However, Chaplin realized that he was too far along in the filming to refilm all of Cheryl's scenes. So when Chaplin asked Cheryl to come back, she did. So long as she was given a pay raise, which she was. Way to go, Cheryl. <laughs> I, I think she earned it. Hell yeah. <laughs> she, she gave a great performance, I thought. I thought she did wonderful too. And she's so beautiful and like I so like simple and sweet and perfect for that character. Yeah. And she was definitely convincing that that she was blind. Yeah, it's such a great performance, I thought. Despite the film premiering four years into the sound film era, when sound films were considered obsolete, City Lights was a financial and critical success. 
Today, it is considered by many as one of the greatest films ever made. Orson Welles at one point called it his favorite film. When the American Film Institute made a list of the top 10 romantic comedies of all time, City Lights was listed as number one. Oh, snap! He's, that, this guy's so badass. He's got so many movies. I When I was looking at, like, trying to look through some of his life stuff and, like, you know, marriages and his, he has such a huge laundry list of films. And he started, like, kind of later in life. Like, he was well into his 30s when he started, like, really making big time films. And he just didn't stop. Ariana, you're not supposed to look up facts before the episode. Oh, sorry. You're not, you're, I'm, I'm supposed to be the one to educate you. No, to your <laughs> point, he, yeah, he was he was a perfectionist, and he he, and he worked on his films. Yeah, and he he did, he made undeniably great films. I thought, yeah. and and some ones that just get bees apparently. Um, <laughs> it was not, it was a wonderful movie, uh, except for the creepy smile, which except for the creepy smile, <laughs> which is you know up in the air. I, don't don't listeners do not judge uh, this movie based on my opinion of a creepy smile. You don't know until you see it. Well, it's not like okay to 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 back up my opinion a little bit. It's not like he is totally creepy in the film. No, therefore I don't think the smile's creepy. I don't know. That's true. He's not creepy at all throughout the movie. He's very sweet to her. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that that's sort of my my argument for for the smile. That's true. I'm sorry, Ariana. I forgive you. Closing thoughts. Hmm. Closing thoughts is that I really need to watch more Charlie Chaplin movies because he's a G. Um, and I every time we have conversations about these movies, it makes me want to rewatch them because you make me second guess all my opinions with your knowledge. Well, you love The Great Dictator. I did. I did love that one. So, I mean, it's it's sort of a wash, right? You know? Yeah, he's got such a variety. And I like that all of his movies, including this one, like, yes, it's a comedy, but it's it, it, there's always, like, this touching feel to it, you know? He has such a realness, and it's not something, like, maybe it's just the, like, the texture of silent movies that hits you a little differently than the movies we're used to. Right. Uh, but it's, it's an experience. Like, people really need to go out there and watch some of these films. They're really good. Absolutely. Listeners, if you have any questions, uh, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, shoot us an email at independentcareerstudios at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, uh, write a review and rate us on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback. This episode was recorded by myself and Ariana. I wrote, researched, and edited this episode. My name is Andrew Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production. Mm-hmm.